Hi and welcome to Veg Out, brought to you by the Toronto Vegetarian Association, aka the TVA. We come to you virtually from our homes and we are heard on CJRU 1280am Campus and Community Radio, based in downtown Toronto. My name is Jeanette and I'm a vegan and volunteer with the TVA. Our mission is to inspire people to choose a healthier, greener and more compassionate lifestyle through plant-based eating. And I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Anna and Sweta. Hello. Hi. Hi. And it's getting a little colder out. It's November. People are um, having their thoughts turn to the end of the year. And we thought it would be a good time to reflect on all of the content that we've produced over the year here on uh, Veg Out. And coincidentally, it's also the fundraising campaign for our one of our host stations, CJRU. Uh, so CJRU 1280AM, if you're not familiar, it's a nonprofit volunteer-made radio station, and they have a special mission this fall. And they're going to be campaigning from November 14th to November 20th. And they're raising funds to develop and implement a program called Your Story Here, which is a mentorship program that will launch uh, in 2020. And this program is an effort to further expand on the station's storytelling culture by providing an opportunity for selected individuals who are doing impactful work with their communities, and they're going to be immersed in the world of community radio. So I actually uh, started working in community radio when I was a teenager, and it changed my life. Uh, I've done a lot of these fundraising campaigns on the air at other radio stations. So I know that the power that community radio and community media has, you you hear stories and perspectives that you would never hear anywhere else in commercial or mainstream media. uh, And it is a place that truly does serve the community. I think now more than ever, when we have this such fractured media landscape, it is really important to keep these institutions and CGRU is doing a lot of really uh, interesting and amazing work uh, across their whole schedule. And they offer a space for veg out twice a week, if you're not aware. So we are heard on terrestrial radio at 1280 AM. And we're also heard on their website, which is uh, cjru.ca. So their program, it's going to be a mentorship program, and they're going to be having guest facilitators come in and work with community members so that they get radio skills so that they can continue telling their story and uh, their personal stories that will then appear uh, to a broader audience. So that's a lot of information there, but uh, all that to say is that CJRU is looking for your support so that they can uh, facilitate this mentorship program, which I think is awesome. And they have a website where you can go and donate and they have different donation levels and you there's some swag that you can get there's some classic radio prizes there some tote bags and shirts and things like that so um you can go over to store.cjru.ca and it has all the information there it has donation levels and some of the donation levels are like you know just a few dollars so you know they're really looking for just a little bit to get this this initiative off the ground and running so we'll have all that information in our show notes as well uh but uh let's move on to what we do because we have been doing this podcast for many 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 years and with uh with covid we've had to pivot and and produce this from our homes, which is why 
you hear often cats or other things in the backgrounds when we're doing recordings. Uh, so I just wanted to, to congratulate everyone on doing another successful year from home. And Sweda and Anna and I have chosen some moments from the past year that we want to highlight. Maybe you've missed those episodes or maybe you forgot because uh, we've had such amazing guests and a wide range of, of topics. And what CJRU does when they talk about that storytelling, that like we have those values as well on our shows. So uh, I'm going to shut up and I'm going to throw it over to Sweda to talk about uh, an episode that she wants to highlight. I'd like to highlight episode Veg Out 493. And that's the one where Anna spoke with Dr. Sarah Dodd, who is a veterinarian. And uh, Dr. Dodd, she's a, a veterinarian who's also vegan, who believes in having vegan companion animals, having vegan uh, dogs and vegan cats. And vegan dogs aren't a, a controversial issue. Um, you know, a lot of folks have uh, vegan dogs, but when we get into vegan cats, that's where things can get controversial. You hear a lot of this, cats are obligate carnivores. They have to eat meat. And it's not just folks that eat meat that say this, vegans say this as well. This is a controversial issue amongst vegans. And a lot of this is based on theoretical things. You know, for example, um, in the episode, you both talk about this idea that vegan diets are great for humans because they're alkalinizing and humans need that. They don't need acidity in their diet. Um, and uh, with cats, we assume that, okay, well, if you feed them that kind of a diet, well, they need the acidity. And so, well, that's going to mean that they're going to have urinary pH issues and disorders related to that. But there's nothing supporting this. And so much of what we think about cats and why they need to eat meat comes from these ideas of like, oh, if this happens, then this will happen. If this happens, then this will happen. Not based on the studies. And it's, uh, Dr. Sarah Dodd, she explains all of this. And then Anna just kind of, you know, wraps it up nicely for us. And that's going to lead us into this clip. So Jeanette, why don't you play this clip for us? It's so interesting that it was a study that was sort of suggested that or hypothesized that that would be the case, that if you fed cats like a lower pH uh, diet, this would happen or a, a more neutral diet, this would happen. When in, in fact, it was just a hypothesis. It wasn't a study that showed that that was the case. And then that sort of takes the run and that's what people go with. But really the evidence shows something different, right? Yeah. And that's something that we have seen throughout if you want to call it kind of the lifetime of plant-based diets for cats is there's always been this kind of warning to routinely monitor urine characteristics and these diets are going to be alkalinizing. So keep an eye out for this, but there's actually, yeah, there, there's no evidence to, to actually support that. It's never wrong, of course, to be closely monitoring someone, um, especially when you're feeding a diet that is, you know, considered unconventional. Routine monitoring is a fantastic idea, but it's interesting that we actually don't have much in the way of evidence to justify for why that particular test should be performed any more routinely than any other. And for any folks that are interested in that topic, definitely listen to that episode, episode 493. Uh, Dr. Pickaren has a book about this, about vegan dogs and cats. It's available at the Toronto Public Library if you have access to that. And there's lots of good information in there. And he talks about a lot of the common issues that we have feeding cats and meat diets and vegan feeding dogs, those meat diets as well. And that those meat ingredients are actually the most common allergy. And so all of this was just so eye-opening. And thank you so much, Anna, for doing this episode and hopefully we'll start seeing a shift in people relying on the science rather than just relying 
on things that we think might be true relying on these hypotheses. Thanks, Sweta. It was a really important topic for me at the time because we that feed our cat vegan food and it, we get questioned about it. And so it, it's just really important that other people understand. And then there's a lot of vegan people who have cats and really believe that they need to continue to feed their cats vegan food. So for me, for me, it feels like another success stories. And one of the joys of working on the podcast with all you lovely people is that um, we hear a lot of just wonderful success stories from everybody. And um, one of my favorites, and I remember just being so ecstatic when I heard this story, it was on the episode Veg Out 508, where we meet Jennifer Coburn. Um, she's the owner of the restaurant, which was uh, originally Ufichu and then renamed Gia and is now running as Gia, but she also runs a sandwich shop on Sundays. Um, and that's called Stefano's. And they started out during COVID. And when they started out with this sandwich shop, they ran multiple different, I guess I'd call them lines of sandwiches. So they had a vegan line and the vegan line had many sandwiches and then they had a non-vegan line. And she told us that literally within two weeks of launching this sandwich line, and it was all takeout, of course, because it was COVID, within two weeks, they went all vegan because that's what people wanted. And these are just I, I get goosebumps just telling this story because it just makes me so happy when these things happen. So it's really evidence-based um, and these are the things we have to look at and just keep celebrating and um, sharing the successes. So I think we're gonna listen to a clip about that, yes? It just was the way that people were ordering at that time. So we decided to go with sandwiches. We had both meat and a vegan line. But when I say vegan line, I'm talking like seven sandwiches and this is the vegan sandwiches took off so quickly that like literally within like two weeks, we dropped the regular sandwiches and we switched over to Stefano sandwiches, you know, rebranded it and it's a completely vegan line. So that was our like obvious note that we were going to change a feature and rebrand it to our original idea of a feature, which was more vegetarian, um, vegan. We are 70, 30 right now of vegan to vegetarian in terms of Gia, but Stefano's is what ushered Gia into reality. So I do also really appreciate these vegan success stories. And I really, uh, love interviewing, people who have come from a background that has absolutely nothing to do with running a vegan business, but for they became vegan themselves and then they transformed their lives and decided to then open a vegan business, whether that's running like a cheese company or like a mock meat company. And another interview that we have that is kind of similar to, to Anna, what you were talking about is um, James McInnes who at the time uh, the restaurant was called Globally Local. They've now rebranded as Odd Burger, but uh, I'm going to let the, the clip kind of uh, set the scene. And this was, I had asked James about how they, how their, their journey from food truck to brick and mortar location for Globally Local. And it all started at uh, Ribfest. Yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of all started with Ribfest 2016, <clears throat> to be honest. I mean, that's where we, we brought like the our famous burger um, to basically a, a big uh, a big festival, which was was a Red Fest big meat festival, and we ended up be, we ended up selling out. We were so busy that we we sold out. We, people were coming to 
rib fest to have a vegan burger. And it made all sorts of, uh, you know, hardcore media is really upset about it that, <laughs> you know, the, the vegans are taking over the, the, the meat festival. It was just outrageous at the time. So, and, uh, you know, why, why, why are they lined up and, you know, I'm selling ribs and we're not that busy or whatever. Right. So it was, it was an interesting time actually, um, because it was kind of the start of this idea of like vegan fast food. Um, and, and that's kind of what it started. And, and, um, you know, we, we had partnered with actually a vegan like um, organization from London called Animal Liberation Alliance, ALA. And they were, they had been going to RibFest and actually doing like education and sampling for a couple of years before. And they said, hey, like you guys should come to this and, and uh, you know, like we can actually sell a product maybe. And, and we did. Um, so we, and it was from that, um, we kind of got a food truck and did kind of more of that type of fast food because just the demand was, was there. And then and from that, from there, we got a restaurant. Speaking of fast food and junk food and things that we like to eat, the camping episode that was done by Stephen, Barbie, and Marnie, that was um, episode 505. I don't know if you, you folks listen to this, but it just, to me, when I was listening to this, it sounded like camping just was like a junk food, a, a reason to eat junk food. Not for Steve, but for Barbie and Marnie, because all the stuff they were talking about was like, oh, Beyond Meat this. and and just egg that. Uh, and when you know they were talking about this, they were also talking about how they stored their food. And I thought it was really interesting what Barbie mentioned about um, uh, ice. And so, well, not specifically about ice, but the fact that she uses ice for a cooler, but she goes camping for two or three days. And by the second day, you know, the ice is melting, but she's not too concerned because, quote, I don't think if a field roast sausage gets a little warm, I'm going to die. And this is a benefit I don't think we talk about when it comes to veganism. This idea that you don't have to worry so much about uh, um, about foodborne illnesses, like uh, what is it, um, E. coli and things like that. We talk about that, but we don't talk about this perk that we get. We don't have to refrigerate things so much, you know. Uh, like in the winter time, it gets a little cold, and sometimes I'll make food and I'll leave it out overnight, and I'll eat it the next day, and I don't have to worry about putting everything in the fridge immediately afterwards. I don't know if it's just lazy me that finds that a perk of being uh, a vegan, but I really like that. And uh, no, also- I do. I do that too. I um, if there's something that I've forgotten to put in the fridge, and I'm like, oh no, it's okay, it's vegan, it's fine. <laughs> like I'm not leaving like meat out on the counter all night and then eating it the next day. So. Uh, I'm sure people who are versed in like food safety are probably screaming right now. No, you can't do that. But no, I, I've I've never gotten sick from from doing that. So so it's not just you. Yeah, yeah, and even like I grew up in a in a house that was uh, vegetarian. So even when we ate meat, it was like frozen packaged meat, and so we don't we didn't have to worry so much about leaving food out overnight. And I think that's just kind of the environment that I grew up in. And I didn't even realize that it's so very important for you to refrigerate your food because I didn't grow up in that very meat heavy environment. And so that's something I had to kind of learn as an adult, like, no, you need to refrigerate your food. And I come back with, I'm vegan. I don't need to. Uh, But anyways, after that episode, I was a little bit inspired, mostly because Barbie talked about uh, camping at Wishing Well. And I've never been camping before. And camping at a sanctuary sounds like a perfect place to start, especially because it was not camping, it was glamping. And it was absolutely wonderful. So I went with my partner and we went for two nights. And um, we actually, because Wishing Well is so close to Toronto that we were able to take a combination of Go Train 
and go bus and then uh, bike the rest of the way. Cause I think it was just like 7K or something like that. It's like a hilly 7K, but you can do it by bike. And, uh, and it was so much fun because no one else was really there. We just got to hang out with the animals in the evening and during the day. And the area where the tent was set up was so secluded from the sanctuary uh, that it felt like we were just like, in this world of our own. And we had this little pond to ourselves and they had kayaks for us so that we could use that. And there was a campfire and they had wood for us. And it was such a good deal. And they have a few different camping sites. So if you are interested, you know, um, contact them because unfortunately they don't have anything on their website. So you do have to contact them and they have these uh, info sheets for the various sites. We did the, the glamping site, but on top of that, they have a camping with the cows. So they actually have this luxury RV, which from the pictures looks very swanky. Uh, and that's right next to where the cows are. So you can just, you know, sit in a chair outside your RV and look at some cows as you uh, enjoy the evening air. And they have one that's called retro camping, which is another trailer, but it's not like a not a trailer, an RV. It's not the high-end luxury one. It's just a regular one. And that's further out in the woods. And so it's a little bit more secluded. Uh, and that sounds quite interesting too. And they're all just really well-priced. And they're talking next year about increasing it to nine different camping sites and making them a little bit bigger so folks can come with their family. Because at this point, they're all for like two or three people rather than four or five people. And you would not have done that if you hadn't heard this camping episode? Well, I didn't know about it because it's not really advertised that much, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Barbie mentioned it. So I went on Facebook and I found it. It was just in one post a couple months ago. And it was so hidden that, yeah, without the episode, I wouldn't have known about it. I don't even know how she knew about it. I don't know if it was just fluke or if a few people had mentioned it to her. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely check it out. And did you bring your own food or did they provide food or is there a combination of both? They did not provide food, um, but they were super nice. I almost don't want to say this part because I don't want everyone to just have these expectations. But when I told them that I was biking, they're like, you know what, we'll, we'll get the ice for you. Don't worry about bringing your own ice because they don't usually provide the ice. They do provide a cooler. And they do provide all the other stuff that you need, the cutlery, uh, the, um, the barbecue, the, uh, what is it called? The, um, the cooking plate thing, the hot plate. Like, so they provide all of that, everything that you need equipment wise is all there, but they don't provide the food and they don't provide the ice. But when I said that we were biking there, she's like, don't worry, I'll get the ice for you. And, um, and so we didn't have to worry about that, uh, which was quite nice. And all the food does have to be vegan but I don't think that's going to be a problem for most of our listeners. That's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. All right. Um, so I'm going to close off here our, uh, our best of episode. Uh, well, they're all the episodes are our best of, but we're just highlighting a few of our favorites here uh, with one of my favorites of the year, which is Veg Out 503, which is the Portuguese vegan. Uh, I saw one day uh, an Instagram come up called the Portuguese vegan and I kind of lost my mind and like what is this and uh, this is the account and project of Connie Oliveira who uh, created this food blog the Portuguese vegan and she's working on putting together a cookbook and uh, so Anna and I are both Portuguese and so we spoke to her about her journey to become vegan and then um, 
also she wanted to preserve these family recipes but make them like veganize them because she couldn't find any Portuguese vegan recipes of the recipes that she grew up with and that's also been a struggle for me like there are a lot of Portuguese dishes that I just could not find a proper vegan version of it uh, so she's working with her mom and it was kind of like a family project to create these uh, traditional recipes so I'm going to play a little clip of her talking about that yeah, I definitely thought there was going to be an audience for it. And um, a bonus would be that I could finally eat some of our meals again. <laughs> and uh, another bonus would be like how many people regret not getting their parents recipes while they could, you know, like, oh, I miss my mom's cooking. I miss my dad's cooking. I miss my grandma's cooking. That was probably one of the things for me that also makes me want to do it, too, is because like all get her to help me with the recipes very difficult to get measurements from her sometimes she still pulls out like a teaspoon and I'm like mom no we got to use this measuring teaspoon not a regular teaspoon <laughs> so it's it's good to like write it down and have it and and then I, I kind of get my brothers and sister to taste test it I'll be like okay does this taste like mom's so it'll be like an unbiased opinion they'll be able to tell me whether it does or it doesn't so it's definitely um I saw like there's a market out there for it there's there is so that was Connie talking about veganizing her family recipes and creating the creating these Portuguese recipes in a vegan way and then I know she's working hard on a, a cookbook um every once in a while I'll like I'll message her and say hey do you have a recipe for this and she'll maybe send me a, a draft version of something that I can try out so uh so that's the Portuguese vegan and uh Sweda, I know you also had a observation about that episode yeah, it's uh, it's cool that you have an inside uh, in with her now that you can get all these little secret tips and tricks and recipes and such. But I think that you made a really good point in that episode. And even right now, you know, your excitement around this, that when you get recipes that are specific to your culture, specific to your interests, like that really helps um, with getting people excited about veganism and helping them stay on track with veganism and it's nice to be able to see that that is becoming more and more niche. Like before you just used to see, okay, I'll use an example from my, my culture, uh, Indian vegan recipes. And now it's like, you no, know, we have Gujarati vegan recipes and we have um, Punjabi vegan recipes. So it's getting more and more niche. And so more and more people are feeling included in this. And hopefully that also helps people associate veganism, not just with a certain type of people, because sometimes... and completely incorrectly, veganism is associated with uh, white people. And that's not true. And so the more that we get people that are of the culture uh, talking about their own culture's recipes and veganizing their own culture's recipes, the more we're gonna get around these myths and make pe people feel more included. So thank you so much for doing that episode. No, I was just gonna say, um, it reminds me of a time when I went to a Seder and it was sort of like, I needed to bring something that sort of matched what was happening. So I wanted to bring a dish that was traditional to a Seder, but also I wanted to veganize it. So I found something, I can't remember what it was, Tim Z's or something. And I veganized that recipe and I made it. And I think you're right, Sweda. Uh, it is really important to veganize all the different cultures and all the different flavors so that we can share them with everybody. Especially if you're going to somebody's house, you want to bring something that everybody else is familiar with and sort of like, yes, it's vegan. And I think that's great. 
Yeah, and for sure, we have a lot of other episodes in our archives that uh, that talk about different cuisines from other cultures as well. Uh, so I love I love delving into these stories. So I was just really excited to find one for my own culture as well. So we've come to the end of the episode. Thank you everyone for joining me today and for bringing your highlights of, of the year. Uh, there's still a few more weeks left in the year. So we definitely have some interesting episodes coming up to, to round out 2021. And also we're getting ready for some stuff for January as well. And uh, if you wanna go back in the archives, we're at veg.ca slash veg out. Um, you can also go back in the archives on Apple Podcasts. And if you wanna support CJRU 1280 AM, Again, they're a nonprofit volunteer made radio station and they host Veg Out. They broadcast it twice a week. They are currently doing their fundraising drive to support their mentorship program called Your Story Here. And certainly we've featured a lot of vegan stories through this show and through their station. So you can go over to store.cjru.ca from November 14th to November 20th and support the great programming that they do. And you've been listening to Veg Out, brought to you by the Toronto Vegetarian Association. You can listen to past episodes on Apple Podcasts and at veg.ca slash veg out. Thanks to Matt Judge for our theme song. And until next time, Veg Out. Veg out. <laughs>